around Dodge City and in the territory out west, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers. And that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gunsmoke, starring William Conrad. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. The first man they look for and the last they want to meet. It's a chancy job, and it makes a man watchful. Have gun, will travel. Starring Mr. John Daner as Paladin. San Francisco, the Carlton Hotel, headquarters of the man called Paladin. And now here is your guide to these adventures of the mind. There is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you this to shoot Charlie. No, he shouldn't. Not with a little derringer. Charlie got hit. Right in the arm. Yeah, I saw it. I just don't want nobody chasing us for murder. Under the circumstances, it was murder. It was, huh? Well, then the only thing to do is shoot the whole bunch of you and have done with it. No. You can't do that. Mister, I got a wife and two kids in Dodge. What I hear, Dodge ain't a very good place to raise a family anyway. Look, you're in enough trouble already. Besides, you didn't kill that man. Your partner did. Yeah, that's right. It's Charlie they'll be after. How much money is there in that box, driver? Yeah, I don't know. They never tell me. Well, we'll find out. He's got it open now. Load it in them saddlebags, Charlie. Yeah. I got an idea. You're new at this game. Look, if a man was holding a shotgun on me and I was unarmed, I wouldn't have no ideas about nothing, Marshal. You always carry a shotgun, mister? Why? Well, we might meet sometime when you don't have one. A stagecoach is a four-wheeled public coach used to carrying passengers and light packages on journeys long enough to need change of horses. It is strongly sprung and generally drawn by four horses. In the case of mail coaches, there were six horses that were used because the mail had to get through. Widely used before steam-powered rail transport was available, a stagecoach made long scheduled trips using stage stations or posts where the stagecoach horses would be replaced with fresh horses. The business of running stagecoaches or the act of journeying in them was known as staging. Stagecoaches go all the way back to the 17th century England. From the period from 1800 to 1830 saw great improvements in the design of coaches, notably by John Besant in 1792 and 1795. His coach had greatly improved turning capacity and a braking system 
and a novelty should have prevented the wheels from falling off while the coach was in motion. It wasn't until about 1830 that stagecoaches were used in this country, and often it was done in lieu of train travel or the lack of train travel. And in the West, there were no trains west of Chicago. There was only stagecoaches to get you from San Francisco to Chicago. There was no trains available. So stagecoaches were vulnerable to a lot of different things, from Indian attacks to being held up. And in this episode of Gunsmoke, entitled The Stage Holdup, is from January 2nd, 1954, and Marshall Dillon is held up because he happens to be on a stage. Find out what happens when you listen to this Gunsmoke, and I'll be back with Have Gun Will Travel. And I want to thank the person who recorded this episode of Gunsmoke. He took out both of the Sugar Crinkles commercial, <laughs> which I was really glad not to hear. I don't know why, I was just glad not to hear another Sugar Crinkles commercial. <laughs> I guess that's my Christmas gift, anyway. with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gun Smoke, starring William Conrad. The story of the violence that moved west with young America. Story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. The trip from Hayes City to Dodge was long enough and horseback, but by stagecoach, it seemed endless. There were only two passengers besides me, and after the first hour on the road, we stopped talking. Just sat there in silence, waiting for the ride to be over. I'd been up late the last few nights, so I raced myself into one corner of the coach and fell asleep. I vaguely remember the stage pulling to a stop and somebody shouting... But I came fully awake when the door was jerked open and a man behind a bandana stuck a shotgun in my face. Get out of the coach. Hands in front of you. Uh, It'll be a pleasure to blast you open. <laughs> All right. Take his gun, Charlie. Yeah. Now... Stand over there with the driver. You two next. Now get on out. Don't try nothing. How come you didn't start shooting when they stopped me, Marshal? Well, I was sound asleep, Hank. Well, I'm sure glad of that. If we put up a fight, that fellow with a shotgun would have blowed me clean off the seat. Yeah. Yeah. 
How many of them are there? Just these two? That's all I've seen. Could be somebody with a rifle hiding in that clump of elder over there. Could be... Ah, that'll learn him, Charlie. Hey, look. He killed him, Marshal. Yeah, the man was a fool to try that. Go get the box down, Charlie. Take this one to help you. I'll keep an eye on these two here. So, you're a marshal, huh? I am. Well, that greenhorn got himself killed. He shouldn't have tried to shoot Charlie. No, he shouldn't. Not with a little derringer. Charlie got hit. Right now. Yeah, I saw it. I just don't want nobody chasing us for murder. Under the circumstances, it was murder. It was, huh? Well, then the only thing to do is shoot the whole bunch of you and have done with it. No, you can't do that. Mister, I got a wife and two kids in Dodge. What I hear, Dodge ain't a very good place to raise a family anyway. Look, you're in enough trouble already. Besides, you didn't kill that man. Your partner did. Yeah, that's right. It's Charlie they'll be after. How much money is there in that box, driver? Yeah, I don't know. They never tell me. Uh, we'll find out. He's got it open now. Load it in them saddlebags, Charlie. I got an idea. You're new at this game. Look, if a man was holding a shotgun on me and I was unarmed, I wouldn't have no ideas about nothing, Marshal. You always carry a shotgun, mister? Why? Well, we might meet sometime when you don't have one. You're going to make me shoot you yet? Hey, look, your partner's ready to go. Okay. Uh, don't you make a move till we're out of sight. We'll ride back and kill every one of you. You understand? I guess there's nothing we can do but stand here. That's all, Hank. For right now, anyway. What'd you do, Kitty? Burn your mouth again? Uh, oh, darn it, yes. What do you mean again? Well, it seems like you always do. The coffee's hot enough. Thanks for the sympathy. <laughs> as much as you gave me about the stage holdup the other day. All I said was I'm glad you were asleep. You're a lot safer that way. Now, being safe isn't exactly my main goal, Kitty. Yeah, I know. How much money was there, Matt? Two thousand dollars. You'd think they'd have paid a man to ride shotgun. Have you any idea who did it? No, they were both masked. I hear Wells Fargo put up a reward for him. Yeah, there's a thousand dollars for the one who killed the passenger, dead or alive. They must want him real bad. That's not good for business. People getting murdered. What about the other one? Uh, Three hundred for his capture. And uh, if you recover the stolen money, Kitty, well, they'll give you half of it. If I found that money, they'd give me all of it. <laughs> You'll end up in jail yet. Well, the Texas Trail isn't far from being a jail. For me, anyway. I gotta get back there pretty soon, Matt. Sure. Hey, you. Waiter. Come here and take this money or I'll throw it at you. Another gentleman in town. Uh, Kitty, I, huh? I don't want to turn around. 
What does he look like? Well, I think it's the one with the black beard. You hurt me, waiter. Get over here before I bust your neck. That's the one, all right. Is there anybody with him? No. He's alone. And he's leaving now. Oh, good. No, no, don't huh? stare at him. I don't want him to see me. Well, he's not even looking this way. He's going out the door now. Uh, all right. Huh? Come on. I want to follow him. Okay. Is that him ahead of us there? It's a big man, yeah. Who is he, man? I'm not sure. But he sounds an awful lot like somebody I want. You gonna arrest him? No, not till I'm sure. Maybe not even then. Look, he's going up to docks. Yeah, so he is. Uh, Kitty, I'll leave you here. Okay. Thanks for the supper, Matt. Sure, anything. Tomorrow? Well, I might be real busy tomorrow. I figured that. So long, Matt. Goodbye, Kitty. Infected to me. Uh, how'd he do it? Well, he, he just tore it on some wire. Well, why didn't you bring him into town? It might be gangrene. Is that bad? Bad. Uh, he could lose the arm or even die. Where is he anyway? Uh, on the prairie, camp. Ain't there uh, some medicine or something I could take back with me, Doc? Oh, oh. Oh, hello, Matt. Good evening, Doc. Uh, oh, go, go right ahead. I. I just came up for a smoke. Oh, sure. Sit down. Sit down a minute. Yeah. Ah, thanks. Now, look, mister. There isn't a medicine in the world. Never mind. But I'm telling you... Forget it. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Everything's okay. Yes. You better not wait too long. I'm warning you. I won't. We'll take care of everything tomorrow. Hold on. Ah, that man's crazy. That's right. No, he's not crazy, Doc. No? You should have heard him. I did. What do you mean you did? I was outside the door, Doc. Well, he's going under the Oliferganza. I guess he isn't too worried. What's this all about, Matt? Uh, Doc, I'll explain it to you later. Right now, i got to find Chester. Oh, Chester? Yes, he's down in the office. I just left him. Oh, good. I sure hope he's had a lot of sleep lately. What's that? He's going to be pretty busy tonight. I'll see you later, Doc. you follow him all night, Chester? Oh, Mr. Dillon, I'm about ready to drop. Everything's getting hazy. Where is he? In the restaurant there? Yes, sir, that's where he went. He gambled the entire night. I swear I don't know how he stays awake. I can't hardly keep my eyes open. Oh, rub a rouser or tobacco juice on him, Chester. That'll help. Oh, my goodness. He just come out the door. Yeah, he's seen us. Stand steady. Yes, sir. Marshal, I, uh, I got a complaint. Now, is that so? It sure is. I had an idea this man's tracking me all night had something to do with you. Oh, how'd you know I was following you? 
Mister, you might as well have been wearing snowshoes with cowbells tied on them. Now, that's not true. That's a doggone Never mind, now, Chester. I... Never mind. What is your complaint, mister? Well, you. Can't a decent citizen ride into the Dodge and do a little gambling without being haunted by your man here? Well, that depends on how decent the citizen really is. What name do you go by, anyway? My own? Jermo. Jermo? Is that all there is to it? That's all. Yeah. Well, Jermo, I just didn't want you to leave town without my knowing about it. Why not? I ain't done nothing. Well, Doc told me about your partner. The one who tore his arm on some wire. What about him? Well, I'm curious to see if you're going to take care of him, that's all. Well, of course I am. He'll die if you don't hurry. Well, I... I'm going after him. When? Well, it's no business of yours, when. Anybody following me is likely to run into trouble. From a shotgun, Chairman? I don't use the shotgun, Marshal. Your partner's dying, Jermo. You're wasting time. And he's dying. He's my partner, not yours. I'll take care of him. Sure. Sure, Jermo. But you better hurry. for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first, since 1910, the work output of each of us has more than doubled, and the average annual income has gone from $2,400 a year to about $4,000. Yet about 18 hours has been cut off the average work week. These facts add up to the better we produce, the better we live. Now the second act of Gunsmoke. So I sent him to bed, and I hired a Kiowa Indian I knew to keep an eye on Jermo. But even though his partner was dying of gangrene from the bullet wound he'd received at the stage holdup, Jermo didn't leave Dodge that day, or the next. He knew I'd track him to their hideout into the stolen money if he did, and he wasn't the kind of a man who'd risk his own neck just to save his partner's life. And since I had no real evidence yet, there was no use arresting him. So, all I could do was wait. That Indian is a wonder to behold, Mr. Dillon. He hasn't slept a wink in two whole days, and he don't even look tired. No, but Jermo looked tired the last time I saw him. Oh, he's been sleeping regular. Yeah, I know. But all this is wearing him out just the same. He's getting pretty spooky. Well, I should think he would, with what he's got on his conscience. I better ask Satank if he knows another Kiowa who can spell him for a while. I think he's got a cousin around here somewhere. Oh, it makes my bones ache just to think about him not sleeping at all. Marshal, uh, I I got something to tell you. Huh? Who are you? My name is Verd, but I'm nobody, Marshal. Just a cowboy. Well, there's nothing wrong with being a cowboy, Vern. Sometimes there is. Like yesterday. Oh, what's the trouble? 
I found a dead man, Marshal, out on the prairie. How'd he die? Well, it looks to me like he got shot. That's why I come to you. Did you bury him? No. No, I, I wrapped a blanket around him, though. Yeah. Where is he, Bert? Not far from here. Maybe 15 miles. Yeah. Chester. Yes, sir. Get our horses. We'll ride out and have a look. Still there, Marshal. Nothing's been eaten on him. You sure got a silk head out here. My, it's a wonder anybody ever found him. Uh, Bird, you, uh, you want to take the blanket off of him? Sure. How did you know he'd been shot? Well, his arm, it's all swole up, Marshal. And then, you see here, I noticed that bullet hole in his sleeve there. Yeah. Well, looks like you've made yourself a thousand dollars, Bird. What? Wells Fargo offered it for this man, dead or alive. He robbed the stage a few days back. He did? Well, ain't I in luck. And there's another thousand for whoever finds the money he stole. It's probably buried around here somewhere, don't you think, Mr. Dillon? Hey, that reminds me. I noticed uh, something funny over there in them anthills. Like the ground being dug up. Show us, Bert. Yeah. Sure, Marsh. Right over here, wait. There. See it? Right there? Right by that big one? Yeah. Well, I declare. Huh. By golly, I think he's right, Mr. Dillon. Something's been buried here, all right? Yeah. I think I can... Yeah, there there it is. There, I got it. Hey, looky there, Marshal. It's, it's a money bag. And I found it, didn't I? Yes, sir. That's right, Bird. Here, look at that. That's real money, all right. Marshal... I found it, so I, I, I get the reward, won't I? I? I knew where it was. Yeah, you sure did, Bert. We dug up the rest of the money and then made the hole into a grave. And we buried the dead man right there. On the way back to Dodge, I told Bird he could talk all he wanted about finding the bandit's body and the reward he'd collect for it, but that he wasn't to say a word about the money we'd recovered. He couldn't understand why, and I didn't explain it to him, but I warned him he'd never get a penny of either reward if he didn't do as I said. Back in town, I didn't let him out of my sight for the next two days. I figured it would make Jermo pretty worried. And it sure did. <laughs> you know, it's mighty good to get off of that prairie just for change. Mm, I think it would be. <laughs> you don't come to town much, do you? 
I've never seen you around here before. Well, I, I've been too broke, Chester. Well, sir, it sure takes money to see the elephant in Dodge nowadays. <laughs> I'll be able to afford it soon enough. Ain't that right, Marshal? Oh, it looks that way, Bird. Yeah, you've been mighty lucky. <laughs> so far. What do you mean, so far? Nothing. Nothing. Evening, Marshal. Ah, hello, Jermall. Uh, this the fellow who found your bandit for you? Yeah, I was just telling him how lucky he is. Yeah. Yeah, all that reward money. Thousand dollars, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Is that all you're getting, mister? What do you what do you mean, is that all? Well, there was more reward than that offered. Oh, you mean the stolen money? Oh, it's too bad about that, wasn't it, Bert? We, we didn't we didn't find no stolen money. You didn't? Oh, but looked everywhere. There'd been some digging nearby, but uh, <laughs> there's nothing in the hole. Yeah. Well, now, what do you make of that? Just plain disappeared, huh? Yeah, yeah. Looks that way. Well, that's sure too bad, ain't it? But you can't have all the money in the world, mister. I ain't got all the money in the world. I'll see you later. Marshal, I, I, I did like you told me. I, I, I didn't say nothing. You did fine, Bert. Just fine. When we left the saloon a little later, I noticed Germo standing in the darkness of the alley, waiting. I was pretty sure he'd follow us as we crossed the plaza and walk up Front Street. When we reached Kelly's stable, Bird wanted to go in and see if his horse had been fed, so we said goodnight and left him there. Chester and I walked on a little ways. Then we turned off the street. We went back. Entered the stable from the rear. Inside we could hear voices. And we sneaked up from stall to stall until we were close enough to make them out. Tell me where the money is, Bert. What did you do with it? I told you, Jim. Well, the marshal's got it. We dug it up. You're lying. Now, who turned in $2,000 to collect $1,000? You stole it and hid it somewhere else. No, I didn't. I tell you. The marshal himself said there'd been some digging nearby. What'd you do with it, Bert? Now, tell me before I kill you. No, no. Listen a minute, Jermo. Look, when you didn't come back, I I figured you got caught. And then Charlie died and... I got scared. Uh, you always was a coward. That's why we left you in the bushes with a rifle when we stopped the stage. No, that don't matter. But look, Jeremy, don't you see this way? We're both safe. Because I'll, I'll split both the rewards with you. You know, I will. You're lying. And I'm going to kill you for it. No, no, don't. Jeremy. Hold it. Come out. Come out. You're next, Marshal. should have had your shotgun, Jermo. I should have killed you with the holder. That was my big mistake. No. If you'd have trusted Bird, you both could have got by with us. He was telling me the truth. 
He was. And yet I've never been convicted on what evidence I had. Well, I guess every man's entitled to, to make a few mistakes. Marshal. of Norman MacDonald stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by John Meston, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were Vic Perrin, John Daner, and Lawrence Dobkin. Arlie Bear is Chester, Howard McNear is Doc, and Georgia Ellis is Kitty. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. This Monday night, Frank Lovejoy stars on CBS Radio's Suspense. Remember, Monday night, Frank Lovejoy in On a Country Road. Presented by radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense, over most of these same stations. George Walsh speaking. For mystery mixed with merriment, join Mr. and Mrs. North Tuesday evenings on the CBS Radio Network. I've been employed to bring you back, and that's just what I'm going to do, Mr. O'Reilly. Like it or not. Have Gun, Will Travel. Starring Mr. John Daner as Paladin. San Francisco, 1875, the Carlton Hotel, headquarters of the man called Paladin. Hmm. Dancing girl missing. Soma Valley's Armenian colony today sadly canceled its annual wine festival. Because the principal dancer is reported to have eloped... Uh, Mr. Paladin. Quiet, hey boy. Yes. To have eloped with a passing cowboy. <laughs> the girl's father, Samuel Abaginian, has offered... Mr. Paladin, one thousand dollars for her return. <laughs> Local authorities point out that she is of age and they have no jurisdiction in the matter. Uh, fire! Fire? Oh, a joke. Ha, ha. Yeah. Here, you cigars. I brought them. Oh. Wait a minute, hey boy. I'm, uh, 
I want you to send this wire for me. Oh, hey, you leave again already? Mm-hmm. Uh, there. I haven't had a good shish kebab for years. Rice pilaf, paklava. Paklava? Armenian cooking. Oh, yeah, paklava. Mm-hmm. Now, after you send that, get me two seats for the ballet russe two weeks from tonight. Well, you saw, Mr. Paladin. Oh, you'll be back? Oh, I'll be back. Better get that wire off right away. Yeah, you saw, Mr. Paladin. Even if you've had embarrassing dandruff for years, you can get rid of it now in three minutes. That's all it takes with Fitch Dandruff Remover Shampoo. Yes, unsightly dandruff's gone in three minutes with Fitch. Quickest, easiest of all leading shampoos. What's more, using Fitch regularly is guaranteed to keep embarrassing dandruff away. Just apply in the unique Fitch manner. Before you wet hair, rub in one minute. This way, Fitch shampoo penetrates right down to the scalp. Next, add water. Lather one minute to wash every trace of dandruff out of your hair. Then rinse one minute. All that loosened dandruff goes down the drain. In three minutes, with Fitch, one rubbing, one lathering, one rinsing, dandruff's gone. At the same time, gentle Fitch can leave your hair up to 35% brighter. To get rid of dandruff problems forever, brighten hair too. Use Fitch regularly. Get Fitch Dandruff Remover Shampoo today, only 59 cents. The sun was warm. The sky was clear and the grapes were harvested. And all that was left was to press them in the vats and wait for them to become wine. An ancient vocation of an ancient happy people. And their leader was a great giant of a man named Abajinian. Stop that frightful music. It soured the grapes before they are crushed. Husband, must we mourn forever? We have other daughters. Coming to your ear, woman, is a blow for my fist. Ah. Do I produce daughters for every passing stranger? Do I beget children to populate foreign villages? Prepare me an answer. Look, there's another one. Huh? Ah. <laughs> you. Ow. Good afternoon, Mr. Abergin. Out, I say, ow. Do we disregard hospitality? Out. My name is Paladin. The name is of no importance. You're like the other one. The stranger carrying a weapon. You are... Paladin? That's right. Oh. <laughs> Woman, where is our hospitality? I have his certificate. We have exchanged words in the telegraph. Move! Now, what sort of man was this O'Reilly? Oh, a despoiler of women. An infidel with evil in his heart. Only a boy, scarcely in his twenties. You have no acquaintance with the world, woman. This girl of ours, Paladin, even though she is a dancer to warm men's hearts, she is a lamb, a mouse, an innocent mouse. He was seen to kiss him the night before. Ah, next comes my fist to your ear. If our Helen was seen to kiss him, that was a matter of force. Paladin, have you ever seen a snake transfix a mouse with its eye? This O'Reilly, this is such a reptile. Dangerous. You can overtake them? I think so. Good. Both must come back. There must be a marriage. A marriage? Custom. They have been together four days and four nights. Of course. Now, what about the fee, Mr. Abiginian? Oh, 
I am a poor man, Paladin, a few acres of worthless vines, but I am generous. Although it ruins me for this simple task, I will pay you two hundred dollars. The price we discussed was one thousand dollars. Too much, too much. Well, since you say this O'Reilly is dangerous, now I must ask two thousand. Oh, have no faith in my description. <laughs> well, Paladin, I'm a poor farmer. On my knees each night I will send you my prayers for your entire life, my gratitude. No. Five hundred dollars, my last offer. You have a thousand acres, vines, sheep, goats, but for friendship, fifteen hundred. Paladin, have no faith in these stories of wealth. I have been living above my station. My prayers, the prayers of the entire colony, the thanks of a ruined man, and eight hundred. And I'll have to sell my home and live in a tent to raise it. Mm, what can I do? Such generosity. Twelve hundred. Hmm. <laughs> Nine hundred. On the diet of grape leaves the rest of my life. One thousand. Done. Good. All right. Seal the bargain. <laughs> Watch you, my friend. Drink of fire. Most men drink one swallow, perhaps two, but Abaginian? Watch. Nah. No. You drink, huh? Of course. Will you pour for me? Enough? No. Hmm. Enough. <laughs> Here is a man. Go, friend, bring back my daughter. <laughs> yes, of course. I follow their trail out of the Soma Valley and into the high rangelands. Along the way, I talk to a miner, a cowpuncher, a deputy sheriff. All of them remembered Helen Nabajinian quite well. Hardly anyone could tell me anything about her traveling companion except that he wore chaps and boots and carried a gun. It was noon of the second day when I first caught sight of them. They were resting in the shade of a grove of cottonwood. I dismounted and walked toward them. They were so busy with their problems, they didn't notice. Ma'am, I ain't gonna ride my horse to death for you or no other woman. You don't love me. You're doggone right I don't. I told you that every foot of the last hundred miles. Now, ma'am, ma'am, look. People just ain't going to believe you followed me. But I cannot go home now. You have me compromised. Now, that's a lie. I ain't laid a hand on you. At my father's house, you kissed me. Well, I was just funning. There is something wrong with me. Yeah, well... I, I kiss badly. Well, that's not... I am ugly. No, I didn't say that. Now, you just ain't my type at all. That's what it is. I don't like to be chased. It makes a man nervous. I'm sorry. Yeah, well... Here now, let me get you up. Doggone it! You see? You see, you kissed me again. No, you kissed me. Now, you ought to be ashamed. Ashamed? Is it so bad that I love you? You let me dance for you and no. I change your mind. No, 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 ma'am. Ma'am, if you so much as move an elbow, I'm going to. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. How do, mister? Miss Abigenian? Yes, 
My name is Paladin. Your father employed me to bring you back. Oh, man, am I glad to hear that. Both of you, Mr. O'Reilly. Well, what's your father want me for? For a wedding. To her? To her. Look, you don't want to take me back for that. Why, a man wants to feel comfortable with his woman. Now her, well, man, just watching her walk makes me feel all edgy. Who wants to spend his life feeling like that? How old are you? Mister, mister, you can talk to your blue in the face. Guns or no guns, I still ain't going back with you and I'm not going to marry her. Well, maybe it's just as well. A really good girl wouldn't have ridden trail alone with you. You take that back. She's as good as they come. You seem pretty certain. I am certain. It sounds like you just might be in love with her. You take that back, Jimmy! Jimmy! Jimmy. Don't worry about him, miss. He's all right. Anyway, he's going back with us. Oh, Jimmy! Jimmy, open your eyes. Did you hear that, Jimmy? You're going back with us. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. I'm going back. But just remember, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Oh, Jimmy! Doggone it anyway! In the 1800s, the Monroe Doctrine dictated that Americans put a wall between themselves and the world. Today, however, times have changed. From city dweller to farmer, Americans know they are part of the world and close to it. And the more they can find out about it, the better. That's why the broadcasts of Edward R. Murrow and Lowell Thomas are so popular. Each of these internationally known newsmen has a wide background in the history, the politics, the economics on which current events are built. Whether you're interested in high-level affairs of state abroad, economic developments here at home, or the latest advances of science, you'll find them presented clearly and understandably by Murrow and Thomas, with the touch of wit or human interest that has won them listeners everywhere in the world. If you're not already addicted to the news, as CBS Radio presents it nightly, start this week to follow the broadcasts of Edward R. Murrow and Lowell Thomas. They're both heard Monday through Friday on most of these same CBS stations. The trip back to the Soma Valley was uneventful. The happy bride chatted all the way, and the reluctant groom grew more surly and silent as the Abiginian vineyards came into sight. Once there, the father-in-law-to-be ordered immediate preparations for the wedding. Aside from half a hundred people scurrying to gather the best foods and wines and music, these orders also included the business of washing up for all. When a man has been seven days and nights with a beautiful woman and says that he did not touch her, then you are listening to a liar or a fool. Oh, that's nice. Oh, so I'm a fool, huh? That's all the thanks I get for being a gentleman. Now you. Get in the tub off with the clothes, cup. What? I ain't going to take no bath, and I ain't taking off my clothes. Better do it, Jimmy. What? Well, okay. These people ain't got no right to pull off my clothes and dump me in here. Even a barbarian pays for his own marriage. And I told you, I'm just marrying her to protect her reputation. That's all. That's all. You can lead a horse to water. Into the tub. Hey, don't pour that water on me. (laughs) Well... 
That's the first time I ever took a bath in the middle of the week. There is a woman at the beginning of all great things. Woman? Adam's best gift. The most delightful of God's creatures. Can I have a towel? Are you clean? Cleaner than a new late age. Then here is a towel. Yeah. Oh, she's getting time for the business of the wedding. Here. Gee, don't pour that on me. Oil for fragrance. Rub this into your skin. Very pleasant. Oh, 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 I won't do no such thing. Oh, it smells sweet enough to catch flies. It's customary, O'Reilly. Well, ain't I got a right to have customs, too? Rub it in good. <laughs> you know something, O'Reilly? You make quite a picture. You were... Oh, doggone it. Shish mm, mm, mm. kebab. Not often a man sits at a table like this. Rice pilaf, keskek, kebakum. O'Reilly? Here, you ought to try some. No, no, no. Ooh. time I was moving along, I went through getting married, didn't I? Mm-hmm, you did. But a smart man doesn't ride off at night hungry. Yeah, well, I tell you, I ain't staying now. Well, I've done my part. Mm, no one's keeping you. Goodbye. Yeah. What's the matter? Don't, don't interrupt can't run off without saying goodbye to the girl, can I? I mean, after all, I just... Well, I, I just married her. Oh, it's just a formality. It's like you said, you can lead a horse to water. Mm-hmm. Now, goodbye, O'Reilly. Now, how come all of a sudden you want me to leave, huh? Why is that? Well, you don't seem to care about the girl. Well, maybe it's just as well you don't wait and see her dance. Doggone it. She can just dance her fool head off. I'll be too busy eating. I'll just be too busy to notice. What is this foreign stuff here? I don't know. Mighty good, though. Mm, here. Here, try this. Yeah, thanks. Mm-hmm. Hey. Mm-hmm. You got some good cooks around here. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know something, O'Reilly? A bride. A bride always supervises the preparation of the wedding foods. Oh, she does? She does. It's customary. Is that fact? Mm-hmm. Well, now, you know, just because they don't do things like my people... <laughs> you see, I, I got me four brothers... Well, that, uh, I don't mean ain't real down-to-earth folks now, does it? <laughs> you sound like you're beginning to grow up. Yeah. Well, I'm as growed up as the next man. Just because that little Abginian gal gets me. I mean, well, doggone it. Women don't chase men. <laughs> I'm not too sure. What I mean is, a man don't want a wife that chases him. Well, it's Helen. Man, if I live with her, I... Well, I... Look, look, Mr. Paladin... Just watching her makes me nervous. Not so? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I mean, my stomach flops around, my knees shake. Doggone it, she makes me feel downright miserable. A man wants to feel kind of calm, comfortable with him. Uh, Oh, I think they're getting ready for her dance now. Yeah, well, I I guess I ought to be moseying Uh, around. O'Reilly, you know, um, ancient Armenia was at the crossroads of the world. Mm -hmm. Now, the origins of her dances are lost in antiquity, a, a flavor of ancient Greece, uh, Persia, perhaps even Manoa. Now, such dances, O'Reilly, are a language, the most understandable, universal, compelling language of mankind. Yeah, well, maybe so, Paladin, but I'm just... And there's your bride. She's dancing for you. Oh, I'll be She's kind of... What's that she's wearing? A veil from Persia. 
Leaving, Mr. O'Reilly? Oh, Mr. Paladin. That's my wife. Do you see speed laws and other regulations as restrictive? Or do you look upon them as protective? When a police officer writes a summons for traffic violations, do you see him as an enemy or a friend? Your life may depend on your attitudes. Statistics clearly indicate that where laws are obeyed, deaths go down. It's no secret that emotional immaturity is the major factor in our accident rate. How else but childish can you describe the notion that breaking a traffic regulation is a way of getting away with something? Unfortunately, too many drivers on the road subscribe to that kind of emotional outlook. The result is tragic. Almost 85% of all traffic accidents in America are caused by careless, childish driving. We hope you know our traffic laws and the people who enforce them are there to help save your life. The happy bride and the no longer reluctant groom disappeared from the festivities. Custom. It was also custom for the festivities to continue. The singing, the dancing, the eating. I continued with them. But there came a time when it was time to settle the business at hand. You say what? Dowry. Dowry? All right. <laughs> Listen to him. Listen to him, my people. Now, I am a liberal man if he wishes to live with my daughter. But you're mad if you think that I've No dowry. No son-in-law. Oh. oh, your own customer, Virginia. I spit on custom. You think I would pay so much as a single goat to mix his blood with mine? You offer to let your daughter carry to marriage her bedding and clothing. Uh, oh. oh, such generosity should be written on the side of Mount Ararat for all to see. Oh, oh, oh. All right, perhaps I could spare a goat for milk. A goat for milk. Oh, he can spare a goat for milk. <laughs> Beside Abajinian, the poorest Arab in the mud hut is a caliph who dispenses gifts of amber and silver. No. Beside Abajinian, a serpent becomes an animal of great stature and dignity, and a toad becomes an animal of great beauty. Perhaps I can afford an acre of vines. I'm a poor man. Oh, an acre of vines. Now, did you did you hear that? An acre of vines. Come. Let us circulate the news of such generosity. A messenger to the old country. A runner to the next town. All right. All right. Five acres of vines and two of three. No. Ten and five. No. Ten and five with a house. No. Fifty sheep. Oh, no. Yes, ten goats. No. Six carrying milk. All right. Agreed, Paladin. Stop there. You ruin an old man. I hope that boy surrounding his blood. His parents had five sons. Five? Well, a busy day, Mr. Paladin, but perhaps not a bad one. Five, you say? He told me so himself. Then perhaps a grandson, huh? A glass of orchie for luck? I'd be delighted, Mr. Abaginian. Hey, boy. Oh, Mr. Paladin, how happy to see you. Did you get me the tickets to the Ballet Russe? Oh, hey, boy, did not forget. 
Yeah. That's fine, eh, boy. I'll just... Oh, I am so sorry. So clumsy of me. I I knocked your tickets away. Perfectly all right. Those are our ballet tickets. Oh, you're with the ballet russe? You will see me dance, then. You enjoy the ballet, Mr... Paladin, madame. Uh, As a matter of fact, I do. I saw your company in Paris last year. So? And I'm just returning from a visit where I saw the Armenian wine dance, beautifully performed. Oh, yes, I have heard of that dance. (laughs) I should enjoy attempting it someday, but where is there such a teacher? Why do you look at me so? Doggone. What? In my imagination, I pictured you performing that dance, uh, Madame... Pachefna. May I offer you a cognac? Delighted. Created by Herb Meadow and Sam Rolfe, is produced and directed by Norman MacDonald, and stars John Daner as Paladin, with Ben Wright as Hayboy. Tonight's story was written by Gene Roddenberry, and adapted for radio by John Dawson. Featured in the cast were Lawrence Dobkin, Dick Crenna, Lillian Bayeth, Virginia Christine, and Lynn Allen. Hugh Douglas speaking. Join us again next week for Have Gun, Will Travel.